Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Moon Underwater. You join me, Landlord John Robbins, he, regular the lovely Robin Allender, and the Jimmy McIntosh, who runs an Instagram account charting, well, I would say the rise and fall, but it's really mainly the fall of dead London pubs. And what a what a mournful scroll it is <laughs> on uh, social media, but important historic documentation. Uh, but Jimmy is now creating a pub where there's no fear that they will be turned into uh, flats that sell for a billion pounds each. Uh, or Tesco Expry. Um, <laughs> or the plural same... of Tesco Express. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Sainsbury's Le Cale. Um mm. No, this is Jimmy McIntosh's dream pub, and so far it contains Estrella and Guinness on draft, San Pellegrino and Dragon Stout in bottles, and the tenterhooks of a Moon Underwater pub quiz. Robin, put us out of our misery. Thanks, John. Yes, this week the Moon Underwater pub quiz was one-star TripAdvisor reviews of UK tourist attractions. So question one was, if you really want to queue up with dozens of other people and try to take your photo on a crossing on a busy road... While cars honk at you, then this is the place to come. Jimmy, what 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 are you, what are you feeling? That's got to be Abbey Road, right? John? Yes, Abbey Road for me too. You, you are bang right. Uh, it is the Abbey Road zebra crossing, which is not a tourist attraction. It is literally just a, a zebra crossing. Uh, there's, a couple of, there's another couple of great one-star reviews. Someone said, how many people have to die so this continues? <laughs> <laughs> and someone, someone wrote, it's not here. <laughs> That's a quite that's a quite Beatles yeah uh, sort of quite um, existential yeah. Uh, question number two was nothing but a rusty piece of junk does nothing just stands there. Jimmy, I initially thought it could be the Arcelo Mittal orbit in Stratford, but then I thought it's probably the Angel of the North. Okay, John, what are you saying? I think it's the Angel of the North just, just sits there. Yeah. Doing <laughs> it is the Angel of the North. I love the idea that you expect a sculpture to do, like, what, move around, fly? I don't know. <laughs> and question three was uh, making it to the top in about two and a half hours, and there wasn't a view, it was just clouds, etc. And then a kind of... A kind of oh, can you read the second one again? It's so It's funny. quite long. Yeah, but it's, it's just everything that's wrong with this country. Not deterred by recent reviews advising of the lack of cafe facilities at the top, we set off safe in the knowledge that the pork chops we'd packed would get us through the ordeal. How wrong we were. Three to four hours in, pork chops consumed, 
We were down to survival rations consisting of prawn cocktail crisps and a bounty. We plodded on, expecting at some point to encounter a Mr. Whippy, Nout. Come on, Scottish tourist board, what are you doing? No effort whatsoever. Having pushed the thought of a 99 to the back of my mind, I plodded miserably to the top and the sun wasn't even out. What a waste of energy, I could have been sunbathing on a beach in Bournemouth with a public house at every turn. (laughs) Sturgeon, you really must try harder. If this is how you treat guests, then you deserve the catastrophic independence you so crave. So there you go. Jimmy, what are you thinking? I mean, so that that review really... Uh, have you ever been on Beer in the Evening? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got yeah. real shades of Beer in the Evening. Beer in the Evening vibes, of, yeah. Um, but I went for... I'm assuming it's Ben Nevis. John? I've gone for Arthur's Seat. Interesting, it is Ben Nevis. Ah. So, Jimmy, you just, you just sneak that one. Yeah, no, it's Ben Nevis. Someone also complained about the lack of 4G signal on Ben Nevis. <laughs> It's great. I'm really, do you reckon the pork chops were? That's such a bizarre snack to bring on a journey. <laughs> yeah. But also the fact that you know he and I'm guessing I'm well I'm a hundred percent sure it's a he is like on holiday. But you can't just buy cooked pork chops. So he's obviously cooked some pork chops to take up Ben Nevis. And, I was, and you're obviously getting annoyed that they're all gone. It's like well you you ate them. Yeah, I'm getting annoyed that there's no cafe. No, there's no ice cream van when there isn't a cafe. Can you imagine an ice cream van at the top of a mountain? I mean, is Ben Nevis, is ben Nevis the highest peak in... Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. So why on earth would there be a Mr. Whippy up there? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Oh, fantastic. Great quiz. Uh, so we head back into Jimmy McIntosh's Dream Pub, where you can meet, relax, and crucially forget... Um, that's well forget about the outside world not just sort of lose your entire personality (laughs) Um, like someone who's washed up uh, on a shore Uh, unless that's the sort of forgetfulness you wanted uh, Jimmy but you don't want people to get home Uh, what two spirits would you like please Um, so the first one I'm going to go with which actually now I think about it it, I mean it is a spirit I suppose Uh, Perno Mm. oh yeah um, so when I was a kind of pretentious teenager, I used to love drinking things like Perno and Vermouth or Vermouth. Um, I thought it was very Hemingway-esque. Um, and I hated Perno, absolutely hated it. <laughs> but because I wanted to appear, you know, kind of a hardy American writer, um, I just carried on drinking it. And actually, I have grown to quite like it now. Um but I have it more, even though it's an aperitif. I have it more as a digestif. Mm. Um, quite like a little perno after dinner. And do you have it with water or bla- is it black perno and black that people have? I just have it with a bit of ice. because uh, it make the water makes it go cloudy, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's similar to kind of ouzo, um, which they say like stays in your stomach. So when you drink a glass of water the next day, you get pissed again. I don't think that's physically possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. An old Isn't wise that what, tale. Don't they, in bottom, don't they drink a Perno Uzo? What's it called? Mar- uh, Perno Uzo Marmalade and Salt. Yeah, it's called Esther Ransom. Wow. Because it pulls your gums back right over <laughs> yeah. Perno, yeah, I never got into the Perno scene. I used to drink Perno and Black, which I think is just Perno and Blackcurrant, at the Knot of Rope in Thornbury. Mm. When I was, I went through a similar phase of uh, being pretentious, Jimmy, which has lasted about 29 years. Um, <laughs> but I, because I didn't like lager, I went through a phase of basically trying everything else on the bar 
and I did go through a perno and black phase. Does it kind of taste like a snake bite, but aniseed? <laughs> no, it tastes like... Um, do you ever remember those sweets, blackcurrant and licorice? No. Where they were like a sort of a boiled blackcurrant sweet, but inside oh, it was, yeah, there, was, yeah. there was licorice. It tasted just like that, actually, um, but not very nice. I haven't had perno for 20-odd years. It's just I, I'm not a big um, fennel fan. I'm not a big aniseed fan. Robin, what are your thoughts on fennel and aniseed, for goodness sake? Well, well someone recently in The Moon Underwater um, chose... Um, oh, Christ, what's it called? The French drink that's green. Oh, absinthe. <laughs> absinthe. And isn't absinthe a kind of similar... Oh, similar ballpark, isn't it, to Perno, really? Isn't it? Or not? Yeah, I mean, it, it absinthe definitely goes cloudy, and it's definitely a sort of a botanical-based, strong herbier vibe absinthe has almost got a slightly minty minty essence hasn't it i've never had it which is surprising considering how pretentious i was <laughs> yeah pastis i mean is i'm showing my ignorance again which i do a lot but pastis is that is that a genre of drink or is that a, a, is that a specific i think brand? i think perno is a brand of pastis yeah 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 I, I think that I think it's quite nice. I think yeah, I think a before dinner drink. I think that's quite nice. I can imagine sort of playing patonk on a French kind of uh, uh, some kind of you know uh, avenue um, with a pastis. I can imagine doing that. So well, a pastis apparently is normally diluted with water and generally five to one in water's flavour. So it's more like a sort of alcoholic squash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Uh, what would be uh, your second spirit, Jimmy? Um, once again, much like the Guinness, it's a bit of a boring one, but I would go for a t- Tanqueray gin. Lovely. Um, I mean, I'm not a gin connoisseur by any means, but there you really can't beat a gin and tonic on a hot day. Mm. It's just crisp, refreshing, lovely. And when you're... Um... When you are surveying the the dead pubs or researching them, as someone who envisaged themselves as a bit of a, a Hemingway, do you do you get quite romantic visions of the people who would have drunk there and the drinks they would have had? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's very easy to kind of want to go down that route with the captions and make it quite literary and uh, kind of Ian Sinclair kind of talking about liminal spaces and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But uh, often when I do that, they get the least likes. So, really? <laughs> so yeah. I've kind of had to temper it a bit and just... People really love the true crime ones. So give us some examples of, of the stories in in the pubs that have caught people's imaginations. Um, so there's one in Hampstead. Um, his name escapes me. I can try and find it. Um and basically some bloke got killed around the corner. Um, and it was it was in the news. And so I did a write-up on that. It almost had nothing to do with the pub itself. It was called the King of Bohemia in Hampstead. Um, wow. And yeah, it had nothing to do with the pub, really. But I sometimes I'll, I'll make a list of pubs I need to go and take a photo of, and I'll go and run around that area of London. But sometimes when I get home, I'll do research on a pub and realise there's absolutely nothing kind of interesting or relevant, certainly online, about that pub. Yeah. So then you have to be like, okay, right, well, 
Okay, so just round the corner, it's possible that he drank in there, and you kind of just make the connection, but people don't really care, really. They just want a nice story. It was a really fascinating one. I think it was your most recent post about a pub in Finsbury Park that had a really fascinating musical history. Oh, yeah, the Sir George Roby. Mm. um, It's named after the musical performer. And that was a kind of indie indie venue i suppose folk in the 60s and 70s but then you know blur played there my bloody valentine played there Mm. um and then it became a kind of acid house club wow and then it shut down (laughs) (laughs) in about 2004 Uh, but it did stand derelict for maybe 10 years on that little corner just by Fringley park station and now it is a premiere inn. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the what's the strangest thing you've seen a pub turn into, or the, perhaps the uh, more I- ironic shifting of the of the ley lines? I mean, the religious ones are always quite nice because at least it's being put to good purpose, and you know people can still enjoy the building. Um, so there's a lot of that have become mosques, a lot that have become churches. And I don't mind that, you know, I, that's still... But it's still a community focal point, isn't it? It's still a place where people are meeting and sort of supporting each other. Definitely. And, you know, isn't that what a pub is, really? Just with booze? Um, so I don't mind that one so much. It's more it's more when they just become, you know, as you said, a Tesco Express or whatever. One thing I'm, I'm kind of interested in, in, you know, we talked a bit about the pubs you do like now, and you talked about we talked about the kind of when we when you find a pub that's a bit nostalgic or seems to kind of you know hark back to an earlier time i i'm very interested in what what people mean when they say it's a bit rough do you know what i mean like what what's going on with that phrase my dad used to say of pubs like oh it's a bit basic but it's really nice there but like what what's going on when people say a pub is a bit rough is there some kind of class-based assumption or is there what's what's happening yeah i think it's a kind of code for it's a bit working class and on an estate and has a flat roof um Mm. which you know these pubs do exist and working class people do use them and often they're just fine they're not really rough at all (laughs) yeah in fact some of the roughest pubs are kind of the ones in shoreditch at the moment where you've got kind of coked up city boys starting fights and i'd say that's more rougher than a pub in, I don't know, Plasto or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of flat roof pubs, I've just found out from your Instagram that the Tower Tavern has closed. Yeah, on Clipstone Street. Which I went to many, many times. I've been there with you, Robin. Oh, my God. It's on the... There's a walk from... When you sort of walk from, uh, like, Warren Street down towards Oxford Street... There is this just sort of pub that's almost like a little block on its own. And it was a great pub. Oh, man, that's so sad. It's been there since 1776, when it was known as the Bastard Tavern. (laughs) (laughs) And named after its first landlord, John Bastard. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, uh, now we head from the Spirit Zone to the library. Robin, what have you got for us to feast our eyes on? Thanks, John. Yeah, welcome to the pub library, where every week we had a new book to the shelves of the moon underwater. And this week it's a brilliant Irish author called um, Kevin Barry, who um, 
he's he's done he's written a couple of great books. Uh, he he wrote this book called Beetlebone, which is a book about John Lennon, like a novelization of when John Lennon bought this island off the coast of Ireland. But anyway, oh, what what what's the sorry? What's the reference to Beetlebone? What does that mean? Because there's a there is um there's a Captain Beefheart song called Beetle Bones and Rolling Stones where he he actually sings a parody of Strawberry Fields Forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but Kevin Barry's brilliant and he's a brilliant short story writer I think you've read some of his short stories haven't you John? Oh Dark Lies the Island Yes, yeah There's a superb short story in that about a group of men who go to pubs and rate them on different um, uh, different sort of criteria and it's sort of like reading our, our, about us <laughs> Yeah That sounds great I'll have to read that but anyway I'm, I'm, what I'm reading today is he, he, he published a short story in the New Yorker just in April, just now, and it's called The Pub With No Beer. And it's a brilliant short story, and it's about the landlord of a pub in County Mayo, which has been in his family for generations, and it's set during lockdown. And he kind of comes into the pub every day to clean it, and he kind of hears the voices of the old regulars, uh, one of whom he describes as an antisocial man who needed people, which is a great description of a kind of pub bore, I think. (laughs) Anyways, I'll just read a little extract from this short story, The Pub With No Beer. He came out from behind the bar and went to the window and raised the blind another fraction and saw the expanse of the bay and the stags of Broadhaven looming and the cormorant arranged gothically on the black glister of its rock. Time could not be measured in the usual ways. The markers of day and evening had fallen into disuse. Subtracted from his routines, he was no longer the full equation of himself. These afternoon visits to the pub were to simulate routine, but now they were failing. They were filling increasingly with the old lost voices. He sat at a low table. The sun was moving without regard and rounded the building, and suddenly its light filled the kitchen out back. He felt drawn to the light. He remained at the table. Voices swam around him. One entered the others. Fred Coakley's, Andrew Max, Tess Hennebury's, I've only two speeds of mood, easy going, 10 mile an hour, or 150. I lose the rag altogether. I goes from naught to Hiroshima. What do be fucking wrong with me? Would I eat? I don't know would I eat. Would you throw on a sandwich for me anyhow? I'm not saying I'd eat it, though it might steady the ship a small while. Your father should have been a priest, but didn't he have a brother one already? Two in the family would be kind of going to town on it. He was alone with the voices. He wanted to be away from them. He wanted to travel past himself and across the fields of the bay and beyond the horizon and into the equinox, into the light. Ooh. It's really good stuff. Brilliant short story. Uh, Did I say that it was set during lockdown? Because that's kind of important. But it's a really good short story. You can read it online and, um, yeah, exceptional writer. Do you know that the, the song A Pub With No Beer is like a sort of country folk standard? Is it? I didn't know that it was originally written by this person, but it's by uh, Slim Dusty. Um, and it was made famous by him and Bobby, Bobby Jan Sherpen. <laughs> uh, it was released in 1957, but it was covered by the Dubliners. Oh, right. And uh, I've heard the Dubliners version, and it starts, uh, it's a lonesome... 
It's lonesome away from your kindred and all, by the campfire at night where the wild dingoes call, but there's nothing so lonesome, so dull or so drear than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer. Wow. And it sort of goes through the pub talking about all the people who are... Wow, well, that's, that's clearly the influence to, for, for the story, which I, yeah. I missed out. And there's also a Tom Waits song called A Town With No Cheer, isn't there? Which is about... Oh! He heard, he heard about a town that didn't have a bar in it or a pub in it, appropriately enough for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. So what's the title of that again, Rob? That is a short story, which you can read on the New Yorker website by Kevin Barry, and it's called The Pub With No Beer. And I would recommend Kevin Barry's collection, uh, Dark Lies the Island, um, some superb stories in there. Uh, but we also have a jukebox in the moon underwater, uh, Jimmy, and it's up to you to add your favourite pub album to it. What's it going to be? Um, this It's kind of a cop-out, um, and I don't know if you'll accept it, so I do have a backup option. Mine would be the Sunfly Karaoke Hits of the 1960s. <laughs> Get it on there. That's great. Because uh, I uh, I'm a big big karaoke fan. It uh, allows me to fulfil all my frustrated musical dreams, um, and I'm a big fan of the crooners. So nothing kind of excites me when I'm a bit drunk than getting up and doing some Dickie Valentine or Frank Sinatra or someone like that. Nice. Um, so yeah, it would be that I think. So it's basically just that sort of like electronic backing to the songs. Yes, yeah. incredibly midi, incredibly beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Sunfly, just I think, I think <laughs> I've only ever seen that word when I've been drunk. You know, like in a karaoke. The, yeah, the little kind of fly man blowing a trumpet. <laughs> he's uh, he's been with me through some of the best nights of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had to pick just one song to sing in, in the karaoke at the Moon Underwater, what would it be? I do a very good Andy Williams Can't Take My Eyes Off You, if I may say so myself. Oh, do you <laughs> yeah. now? I have been known from, from Peckham to Essex Road to belt that out after a couple of uh, pints. Do you ever do that so it starts with Jaws, like... Duh-duh. Wow. I'm never going to be able to listen to that song in the same way. (laughs) Rob, what would your karaoke song of choice be? Gun to your head, microphone in your hand. I do do Lady in Red. Yeah. I I like doing, I mean, I can't, I don't know about doing it anymore, but uh, doing Smith's is quite, Morrissey's got quite a low voice. I find it quite easy to do a Morrissey. And then you can really act out the kind of... The Morrisseyisms. So doing some Smiths is but good. You've got to do a pretty mean, my sweet lord. My sweet lord's good, but there's an awful lot of Harry Krishnas at the end, and a big long instrumental in the middle. Massive it is. Uh, that I once saw you do, and you you decided to break dance during the uh, instrumental, which was very funny. What about you, John? What's yours? Mine would probably be like. Uh, unless they had some particularly obscure songs, I need something which has got a bit of a growl that you can. It makes you sound like you're a better singer than you are. I just remembered Credence. Yeah, I'd go. Who have you ever seen? The Rain by Credence or um, Proud Mary uh, by Credence as well. So yeah, you like even Guns and Roses. Even though Axl Rose is quite a like extraordinarily good singer, you if you just growl. It covers a multitude of vocal sins. Well, that's... I mean, I once saw my friend Snoopy do Living on a Prayer, which is a very difficult song to sing. Very, very, very high. And he just absolutely styled it out. Kind of audience interaction, 
getting to the high pit, just hand the microphone over to the crowd. You know, I think that's that's what you've got to do, unless you are like a very good singer. Yeah, you've got yeah. to get people involved. <laughs> well, it's quite funny when you see YouTube videos of people attempting angels by Robbie Williams. Yeah, that's a leap because it's sort of like almost spoken in the verses. Yeah, yeah. And then when you get to that, and through it. And yeah. then they realise <laughs> yeah. how far they've got to go and how out of reach it will remain. The good thing about Angels, I've never done it. I, mean, I must have done it ages ago. The good thing about Angels is everyone in the room knows all the lyrics to it. So you can kind of get away with it a bit. I mean, the new Eurovision song, that's going to be a tough one. to. That's a high note he sings in that, isn't it? He goes falsetto, doesn't he? I missed it, sadly. Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was at the football. <laughs> Hello fans of Pub and Pint, I'm Jess Phillips an MP, and now for the first time, a podcast host. I know that the moon underwater is used to sighing for its letters, so I think you'll love my new podcast that's all about writing letters. It's called Yours Sincerely, and in each episode, I invite a guest to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. So with that, I'll sign off with Yours Sincerely, Jess Phillips. I hope you get to enjoy an episode of my podcast soon. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. Uh, well, you've got one choice left, Jimmy, and it's joining Estrella and Guinness on draft, San Pelo uh, in bottles and Dragon Stout, Perno and Tanqueray Gin. What's your wild card? Uh, my wild card, I don't know if you've had it before, probably, um, is the Scampi Fries Bacon Fries combination. Oh! Mm. Or the, the Poor Man Surf and Turf. Yes, yeah. we have had it. Will Hodgson. I'm in good company. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm yeah. I'm not normally a huge kind of eater in the pub because I find after I've had about two pints, my appetite just goes. But I can't deny it's quite nice to have a little snack on something incredibly salty of no real determinate taste. And scampi fries and bacon fries suit that. Well, Will's secret ingredient was Worcestershire sauce Ooh. and Tabasco. And oh, Tabasco. Wow. Are you adding any liquid condiments to it, or is it just just dry, scampy bacon fry, surf and turf? Yeah, I, I haven't ever given it any thought, but actually, that might just be the nicest thing ever. Um, yeah, I'd have to try that. It was an experience. I ate so many, I felt so. <laughs> was sick it good though? Day. Yeah. It was, but I ate, I mean, I must have eaten sort of three packets of scampi fries, three packets of bacon fries and half a bottle of Worcester sauce. And it really sits heavy on the stomach. <laughs> yeah, and the soul. Yeah, yeah, and the soul. I think it's the, the Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. 
as uh, as Will pronounces it. But you're in very good company there with a good wild card. You're barred. Now, obviously, closing down pubs is the behaviour we would all like to uh, ban. But what are you going to ban from your pub, Jimmy? I'm going to ban clocks. Ooh. Wow. So I I think, uh, yeah, the pub is a kind of sacred space where nothing from the outside world, other than maybe a football game or a Eurovision Song Contest or something that you don't have control of, should matter. Leave your stresses at the door. Don't worry about your job or anything like that. Go and enjoy yourself. Talk to people. Don't worry about time. Because last orders will eventually come. But it's, yeah, if it's when I go to a pub and I know, oh, I've only got about 20 minutes left and I've got to go. And it kills the vibe of it. It kills the kind of natural flow of conversation. So I would ban clocks so no one can tell when they have to go. <laughs> but, I mean, the only... <sighs> I guess what you need if you've got no clocks is you need really need for the pre last orders bell or the because sometimes they call time so you I would say you want last orders called 20 minutes before so that you got fair warning because you could probably say you had a full pint with 20 minutes to go I reckon you could you could get that down you in about 10 mins and then savor the last one until perhaps quarter past closing. Yeah, I was in um, I was in the hair in a kind of Bethnal Green way the other night, and they did a really good system where they just came round to everyone and said, "Right, you have enough time for probably about two drinks." Oh, that's um, good. So do that and get it in, which I suppose is kind of like a first bell of last orders. And two means three. Yeah. <laughs> Two means three, means four, means... Three brings four. Hurry up, please. It's time. Very good. So no clocks uh, in Jimmy McIntosh's pub. But what's this pub going to be called? I mean, you must have come across so many incredible pub names. Before you name yours, what are some of your favourite names that you've found in the Dead London pubs? Uh, The two ones that stick out for me is... There's one in Bat or there was one in Battersea called the London Chatham and Dover Railway Tavern. Oh, that's good. Which I think was the longest pub name in London, like standard pub name. Because I think there was also one called like the Fox and Firkin in a balloon up a creek without a paddle or something like that. <laughs> which was, but this is, you know, an old school pub name from the 1800s. Mm. Um, another good one is the Daniel Gooch in Baywater. Wow. Bayswater, sorry. Ooh, who's Daniel Gooch? He was a train engineer with a very unfortunate second name. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of being like, oh, where are you going tonight? The Gooch. The Gooch. <laughs> yeah. So they're two good ones that I've thought of. But when I was thinking about a name for this pub, I think it has to be vaguely traditional. Um, it would be foolish of me to kind of go for something modern and quirky. So I went for the King Louis. Mm. Uh, so Louis is my middle name. It's vaguely regal, and often the best pubs are. Yeah. Um, it kind of harks to the Jungle Book uh, and Louis the Orangutan, I think he is. Um, and there's also a very good pub in Nottingham called the King Billy. So there were there are my reasons for going for the King Louis. Like it. How are you spelling Louis there? Uh, L O. U-I-S. And would the sign be Louis from the Jungle Book with a crown on? Well, it could be. 
It could be. Um, I hadn't actually thought about the sign. <laughs> it's either that or, you know, the Sun King, Louis XIV. Or you or, with a crown on. Or me with a crown on. Everyone would love to see that. Um, <laughs> or kind of horrible face-app mash-up of all three. <laughs> <laughs> and and what you'd look like in 50 years. Yes. And as a woman and a man yeah. and with stubble. Uh, well, we thank you so much, Jimmy McIntosh, the creator of London Dead Pubs on Instagram. Do check it out. Beware. Beware that it's mournful, but it is interesting. And the photog- is the photography important to you? Because the pictures you take are really good. I, ne- I mean, I wouldn't consider myself a photographer at all. Pubs lend themselves to taking quite a good picture, I think, because they're often kind of very stoic corner buildings mm. that look very good. Um, but I'm kind of hampered by what photos are on the internet of the pub before. So sometimes people have taken photos of a pub and it's from a really weird angle. So I have to match the weird angle. Right. So it's kind of join it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, do you get annoyed when you're searching for photos of pubs on a Google image and it's just photos of burgers? (laughs) (laughs) I think that'd be one thing I would ban is if you're going to, if you're going to put a photo on a Google review of a pub, it just has to be either the outside of the pub. Yeah. Or just the, a framed photo of the bar with every drink available visible when you pinch and zoom. I don't want a picture of a triple cooked chip. It's irrelevant. <laughs> there was a, there's a great one on Google Images. If you search the rising sun in Wilsdon, I think it's called. And the first image is of uh, a wake for somebody's dad. Oh it's, it's like a dad in flowers. <laughs> you think that the, the, the pub would try and change that somehow. But uh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, Jimmy. We need a song to play you out. And I mean, maybe what we could do is get you to sing your Andy Williams song to a backing track from the Sunfly karaoke hits of the 1960s. I could give it a good try. I have lost my voice a bit because I was at Wembley uh, on Saturday. But I can give it a try if you want to try that. So to play himself out is Jimmy McIntosh, and he takes with him the King Louis, which features Estrella and Guinness on draft, San Pellegrino and Dragon Stout in bottles, Perno, Tankery Gin, Scampi Fries and Bacon Fries, a.k.a. Surf and Turf, but there's no clocks in there and no time at all. So take with you the King Louis, Jimmy, for whenever you need it the most, and to play you out is you, backed by the Sunfly karaoke hits of the 1960s, Singing Andy Williams, Can't Take My Eyes Off You. You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'd be like heaven to touch I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you Pardon the way that I stare There's nothing else to compare The sight of you leaves me weak There are no words left to speak But if you feel like I feel Please let me know that it's real You're just too good to be true 
people listen to the moon underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences so if you're to be part of the moon underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners get in touch just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you that's sales at audioalways.com